0: Hi, my name is Melissa K. Jones, leadership and operations coach for service-based small businesses. Lead with Excellence podcast features conversations with leaders in small business and short coaching segments. I'll discuss how to lead yourself, your clients, and your team. My goal is to empower and encourage you in your leadership journey. Let's get started. In this episode with Evelyn Stepien of The School of Luxury, we discuss brand positioning, why testimonials are irrelevant, the loss of personal taste and pursuit of social aesthetics, emotional luxury, and more. As an introvert herself, Evelyn is passionate about supporting quiet, introverted entrepreneurs and navigating the noisy online space with her softer, quieter approach to marketing and branding. The School of Luxury is a boutique consultancy and educational platform for luxury brands. Evelyn's methodology enhances luxury brands to reflect the founder's character, high personal standards, and values. If you want to lead with confidence in your business instead of spending time trying to convince people, this episode is for you. Hi, my name is Melissa Jones, and I am host of Lead with Excellence podcast. Today, I have with me Evelyn Stepian, and she has joined us to talk about the luxury market. Welcome, Evelyn. Hello. So happy to be here. Glad to have you. So, I met Evelyn online uh, via Instagram. She had a lot of wonderful conversations and insights on the luxury market, the luxury clientele, and I really wanted to bring her onto the podcast to dive in deeper and talk more about what that experience is and also how we can deliver a luxury service to clients, regardless of who our market is or what sector we're in. So one of the th- first things that I'm interested in, Evelyn, is why did you decide to pursue the luxury industry with your business?
1: Um, that is a very good one. Um, I think I've always been very, very fascinated by the luxury industry. And I couldn't exactly pinpoint like one moment in time where I were just kind of like the penny dropped, <laughs> but I can only remember that um I have always been somebody who uh, was very sensitive to to beauty, to beautiful things, to exquisitely made things and the fascination with the luxury industry is how they in particular hone in on that um on that perfection on that um executional excellence and in how they treat the customers and the level of customer service and care um so this has been always very very fascinating to me in uh, to such an extent that i uh, pursued um a career in that um, in that industry both on the brand side, on the brand strategy side and marketing and PR, as well as on the retail side for a while. And eventually I over <laughs> I had a blog, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of emerged that this fascination really stayed and to support founders and especially quite introverted founders um, in uh, creating a very authentic um, luxury brand.
0: What are so, some of the practices you learned along the way that differentiate luxury businesses from other businesses?
1: First off, the very different marketing strategy, um, positioning strategy, um, things like, um, I mean, brand strategy, it's a I mean, you have the classic uh, marketing model of um, of the four piece or six piece. And um, in luxury, it works very different. So that alone made it such a fascinating thing. To just think more creatively and put more effort into into crafting marketing strategies that are meaningful and that communicate, um, like show don't tell, that communicate luxury without having to spell it out. And I found that always intellectually very stimulating. So, um, so that is for sure the marketing practices, and as well as it um, as it goes into sales practices as well, like this very sophisticated. A silent, um, tasteful approach to to the sales process that is not so not so much um, as it is in the mass market, and that has been always very fascinating. and I love to support my clients with these uh, with these
0: things. Can we go a little bit deeper into that? Because you've talked about it online a little bit in regards to different marketing practices and sales practices. One example that comes to mind is testimonials. If you want to share a little bit more about that, or if there's another one that stands out for you,
1: <laughs> yes, I I do understand that my view on testimonials is quite different to what um to what you generally hear in the online business of kind of like the the best practices of online business or a staple on your sales page. However, I find personally. Personally, I have never really been swayed so much by testimonials, and I usually scroll past them. But maybe that's also kind of this wear off effect that when you read so many sales pages in your life, you just really don't care anymore, in a sense. And it is actually my personal philosophy that, um, and my understanding of luxury and the luxury experience, that luxury doesn't really rely so much on social proof, on being convinced, like this entire convincing energy is completely redundant in the luxury sphere in my mind. Even for, I mean, I do understand the necessity for small business owners, especially in the online business, because that's we only have so much space and so much time to communicate to our potential clients and customers the value of our product or service. But I find once we um, gain more confidence and we don't need to have... The, so much do do so much on the convincing part of it um it just becomes so much more um tasteful than i thought i find testimonials really fit more into the mass market where the entire decision making process and the transaction is just so much quicker and has to be quicker and you have to convince um your customer faster because there's so much to choose from because the, comp- the there's so much competition Whereas luxury is less thinking of competition of what makes you stand out, but is more subtle in those ways. And um, on the other hand, a second uh, reason why, um, why I'm not a fan, I would say, <laughs> of testimonials is that I see luxury um, clients and customers as people who are generally very well informed and discerning. And I don't see them really having to rely on somebody's, um, somebody else's recommendations. There's usually people who have very refined taste, who know their taste and um, recommendations would rather be exchanged, and it's very cliche, but rather be cliche uh, uh, exchanged on a one-on-one and not from a stranger on the internet. I think they're less influenceable in that sense. And lastly, I, for me personally, my business, I um, I completely, um, categorically uh, do not use testimonials. Simply, um, firstly for privacy reasons, because I, I just work with clients who value their privacy, and I am the same. I also value my own privacy. And people change, people move on, and you don't want to have your name plastered all over the internet, in. 10 years down the line and it also comes with certain industries as well let's say um, in the personal finance industry um, isn't maybe not something that people would want to have their name on the website and there's different ways to go about it to keep it anonymous and I mean obviously they're also very fakeable etc so what is the actual value of a testimonial in this day and age so that is something that I think about. But in general, <laughs> in general, I think privacy, especially nowadays, is a luxury. Anonymity is a luxury. And just keeping things to yourself in general and not talk about things <laughs> about every single thing you do on the internet is a luxury.
0: And I think this is going to be amplified in the next few years. I love the part, just going back to a couple of things that you said about, more confidence and less convincing and i'm curious in your experience if there's more confidence because they're heritage brands and because they have the weight of consistent quality and consistent service to rely on that they don't have to do the convincing because they've done the work they have the evidence
1: certainly there's always (laughs) it's so interesting to me how um, I would say small business owners always very much tend to compare themselves to these heritage brands, to these legacy brands, and they say, "But I want to become the next Chanel in my industry." But do you really? I think I think the exact opposite. Um, there is a huge challenge to live up to the same standards, and we also talk about budgets we talk about advertising budgets about celebrity endorsements realistically that is not not the the path of a small um of a small business however the big opportunity here is as i see it is for small business um, owners and founders that this is the new luxury that the small niche very focused highest quality brands who can afford to spend time on their product, who can refine products, who don't have to report to investors, who don't have um, shareholders, who don't have to have insane profit margins and need to have this, this growth year on year, okay. they are in a luxury position right now because this is what defines, I think, the new luxury. Um, and as i I see it as the renaissance of luxury right now as luxury really changes its meaning and it becomes less about a logo. It becomes less about a legacy brand, about something that is it has essentially become meaningless because when we look at the those legacy luxury brands, in my mind, they have been really declining. Luxury has lost its luster. The quality is getting worse and worse. The prices are going up and people just cannot justify spending money on a... Worst product anymore that carries no meaning whatsoever so the question here is like what what as a as a small luxury brand as a niche brand there is this unique opportunity to really stand out with quality of service and with personal connection which i think is the new luxury
0: you said quality service and um what
1: did say? attention a relationship connection yeah quality connection, exquisite craftsmanship, exquisite delivery, and the the humanity, essentially. The human touch, this is what is missing nowadays. And especially in this highly digitalized, algorithm-driven world, it's the human connection that actually makes something very personal
0: and unique. I agree. And I think that goes back to what you said about the new luxury, the small businesses having the ability to have time to refine, they don't have to report to shareholders. And so they don't have that external pressure to constantly have reports out every quarterly to show like where their profit increase has been. And, And so it allows them to make more sustainable decisions and to be more intentional about building relationships with their clients. Because again, if you're doing that, that's a chess game. It's not gonna happen quickly. And right now with technology, everything's so fast. And so people are just making quick decisions for quick returns. And I think that then ties into what you were saying about how the quality is worse and the price is going up because you're having that quick turnaround.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure.
0: You had talked about the well-informed and discerning clientele and knowing their taste less influenceable. We've talked a little bit about taste and I'm curious, how does taste play a role in luxury? And also, I had shared this quote a while ago and I want to refer back to it again, because I think that it's important in this conversation is pers- This is from Paul Graham, and he said, prestige is like a powerful magnet that warps even your beliefs about what you enjoy. It causes you to work not on what you like, but what you'd like to like. And that relates because I believe also in today's society with all the influence, like you said, there are things that we actually may not like, but we think we like because of the repetition in which we see it in our feeds. What is your take on all of that?
1: I think taste is something that has been really lost in the past few years especially I would say parallel to the rise of the influencer and social media we have just we are being constantly fed this insane amount of things that we should have that we should like and this quote is absolutely so spot on and beautiful thank you for sharing that with me I really I loved it I would frame it Um, and we as just in general we have been so so influenced by visual media of things of what your life should look like of what your home should look like and the whole aesthetic obsession I was like it's an obsession with aesthetics with you just have to look like this, or you just, your home has to look like this. And everything needs to be this perfectly curated Instagrammable thing where the emotionality and the personality behind it is completely lost. And I think the best example for it is these, I would say, sad beige homes <laughs> that like, lack all, all individuality, all personality, it's, and this can be a personal taste. But I think it's just so interesting to observe what happens with these micro, I would even say nano trends with, um, what is it, quiet luxury with old money, with the clean girl aesthetic. There's a new aesthetic every month. And everybody's trying to jump on that bandwagon of just for a quick chance, like a lottery ticket to virality. And I find that so sad that people just don't take the effort anymore to develop taste because t- taste takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes effort. It takes exposure to certain experiences to um, to understand yourself. And it's a deep sense of self-discovery as well to understand what you like and why you like it. And trends and aesthetics come and go. But I always say taste always still stays relevant. Taste is timeless. It doesn't rely on trends and i i think as a society we should move towards being more interested in what interests us, what interests us what catches your attention what makes you stop in your tracks and just look twice what exactly is it about this particular piece of art that fascinates you it doesn't matter whether it looks aesthetic or perfect in your home but it stopped you in your tracks. What was it about it that really fascinated you? And I think the world is just so, such a beautiful place. There's so much to discover. And I don't see any value in this repetitive way of um, looking at your life as this as this curation, this artificial curation, in a sense, of this perfect aesthetic. And yeah, so this is... Um, this
0: is what I think of taste. <laughs> do you th- think that that has to do with the discerning clientele has less of a need for approval and approval at scale? Like Because I think that at a, an intrinsic level, like we all want approval from certain people, but there's a difference between uh, the approval of Five people and then the approval of the masses. And mm-hmm. I see like a lot of times on social media where people ask for pu- their follower feedback on what they should wear for the day or what they should purchase or all of that. And I'm with what you were saying, the obsession with aesthetics and not almost not having a solid identity not knowing who they are because they're just a reflection of all the things that they see across their feed and them not knowing what their true interests are and I'm curious like how much of that is because you're not living that sounds tough but I mean to your point about like going out and having exposure to different experiences and self-discovery like that's part of living
1: yes it is and this is essentially what um what i categorize as emotional luxury it is essentially in very simple terms like being in the moment to be so present in a particular moment of beauty of emotional beauty and the capacity of appreciation of being able to appreciate that to me is luxury to be able to stand still for a moment and to actually enjoy the thing that you are looking at enjoy the feeling of this particular fabric on your skin and care less about how it looks like to others or what it makes, what it what it means to wear it to the world. And I think this is the important shift that that we have to make.
0: And that you said emotional luxury and then explain and the ability to be present and to appreciate the beauty around you. Love that so much and I think that's why like people feel different when they go out in nature because and with the caveat that they don't have technology with them like they're there just to like enjoy the beauty that's around them and that's like so refreshing
1: and it's so intense like once I mean I'm a huge nature girl I'm a country girl I love everything about it and now that it's slowly becoming spring I am literally I feel like I'm coming alive like all oh, my cells start vibrating and that is really what it is and being able to I mean it sounds so simple but really um giving yourself that access um and opening that space essentially it is it is a form of creating space and capacity for these for these even with, it starts with tiny experiences. For example, putting your phone away and just tasting your food. When was the last time you really tasted your food fully? And these are the small things or smelled the air and really felt alive while while doing it. And these are for me, the small things that really begin to teach your body and your mind and emotional luxury is the methodology that I work with specifically, Um, not just in brand creation, but on a personal, very personal level with um, with female founders who just want to learn more about living what it means to live beautifully, to live a fulfilled, beautiful life and define for themselves what luxury means to them and just understanding and creating that capacity and creating that, access for these experiences in the first place is is very important this process of self-discovery and really by this by doing this developing a certain taste
0: how can we implement emotional luxury within small business for our clients like merging those two
1: Um, The way I work in in particular is very, is twofold. So it really is um, about creating a luxury business from the inside out. So creating a luxury business that is both feels like luxury for the founder themselves. And this is very relevant in regards to what we spoke about earlier is what does, what can a small brand do to to be or become that luxury brand. And that is authenticity. Really honing in of what is it? How do I feel in my own business? What are the parameters? What are my personal KPIs that that create the the circumstance that is, and the brand that, that is luxury? And this is how we can communicate it more authentically from within to um, to the external. So there's this internal part and there's this external part. And I believe the most authentic marketing, the most inth- authentic branding and communication can only happen when these things are completely balanced and aligned. Luxury cannot afford to lie. As soon as you feel wobbly or you're not sure or you have to fake it, or you you just slap on a logo or a certain price tag and just hope that to appear luxury and here we are again it's more about being than appearing and this is the 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 quint essential idea that how I define luxury is to be not to appear and being that from the inside out and this is where it can be very effectively communicated to to a client to a potential customer because. I think luxury carries a certain energy and i think it it really moves it is about moving um moving somebody creating an emotional reaction and that can happen completely with very individual um aesthetic style because when, when we talk about luxury we have to talk about aesthetics that there's no way around it there's a certain things i look at a certain website it's like mm, no nah, well this is not exactly my personal definition of luxury um, and the, the lines are very fluid here. However, I think when we rely solely on aesthetics and trying to uh, convince again, this convincing energy of trying to appear, of trying to convince, of trying um, to 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 look and look a certain way, that is usually not not what convinces somebody. But um, on the other hand, like, uh, showing up very authentically and from a place of truth and this is my personal philosophy that luxury has to be true it has to be good and it has to be beautiful and when we can when we can approach our brands like that then almost every brand can be a luxury brand regardless of of the price point and um of the particular aesthetic or branding that they have visual visual brand identity and this is a huge opportunity for small brands
0: when you said carry energy to move someone is that exemplified because you care about the client more so than yourself? Is that because like you're trying to serve the client? And again, that sort of ties in with what you said earlier about not having to convince somebody, like if you're confident.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think um, personal confidence is is extremely powerful. I think it can really pull at somebody's heartstrings. And how that manifests on the outside can be very different. It as it is in in your visual brand identity, in your copy, and when all of these things are very homogenous, then then they can be authentic, um, and don't have to, um, ha- don't have to have this uh, con- convincing energy. I
0: hope that answered your question. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, so, the other. Yeah said something else that I wanted to go back to, um, we'll go with a personal KPIs and the luxury brand. And then also like that work How does excellence then show up in luxury goods and services from a small business in creating and then delivering and execution?
1: As mentioned earlier, I think small businesses really have this very unique, beautiful opportunity to show up with putting the best foot forward, really. And I think there is no other way um, to to be luxury in this day and age. I mean, on the one hand, you could say nobody, everybody expects luxury, that it's a good product at a certain price point, um, that it comes with a certain level of service. I think these are more givens than nice to have. I think this really is something that people generally expect uh, from from luxury brands but at the same time it has been so evident in the past few years that luxury really has lost its luster and it has become really not that so even showing up like with these kind of really putting your best foot forward and really leading with excellence this is why I love the name of your brand so much because I think this executional um leaving space for perfectionism I know that perfectionism is generally regarded as something so negative especially in the past few years of this whole done is better than perfect um mentality and in my personal opinion there is and i've seen that for myself as well that i have for the longest time tried to not be a perfectionist and accept that as a i've seen it as a flaw as something as a, as a personal um a defect like something that was really just following me around and just making my life miserable and at some point It really, um, I really understood that my perfectionism is a gift. This is something that moves somebody forward and makes you want to do your best and to do it well. And I think we have lost the taste again, tying this all back together. We have lost the taste for a job well done. And I don't know where I've read that quote, but it has been so accurate. That everything is done and better than perfect. And it's okay because there's healthy perfectionism. There's productive perfectionism, as I call it. And there's this there's destructive perfectionism. Right. Of really something that, that can be extremely heavy, that can be extremely difficult to work with. And when it really stops you from making any progress whatsoever. But I think a healthy dose of perfectionism and also like, accepting that about yourself I think to all of the perfectionists listening right now, I think embrace your perfectionism and use it to your advantage because it will, it propels you forward to a certain excellence of execution, which only luxury brands can have, where everything is beautifully organized, where all of the customer touch points are work where everything is done with the utmost care and coming, and this is a, this is coming from a, a place of service. Right. And I think there is no shame nowadays. We all know the stories on the arrogance of luxury brands at times, like really making it to their brand to treat their customers badly. And I think in the end, we are all humans and everybody, you will forget a product you will forget a thing, a material thing, but you will never forget how you were treated and how it all made you feel. And you will never forget the experience. And that is true for many moments in my life where I have had both very poor, but also exceptionally beautiful experience with certain brands. And these are unforgettable and creating more of those. And this is a challenge. This is certainly a challenge to know because we all perceive luxury differently. It's like we cannot look into our customers' heads and hearts. We kind of have to just try our best. But at the same time, I think we have such a higher chance of actually um, moving somebody and pulling at their heartstrings and really making, making them feel uh, welcome, making them feel appreciated and delivering a job really well is i would say you're in the you're in the top 10 percent
0: of of online business owners nowadays i agree and to streamline like what you just said the it would help us if we reframed perfectionism as caring because when you care about the outcome when you care about the relationship you want to put forth your best effort and when you look at it from that point of view, you're less likely than to procrastinate because that's also been associated with perfectionism. But you care about the end result and the delivery and how that impacts other people, which like you said, pulls on the heartstrings. So I love that you brought up and challenged the perfectionism and the current perspective around it. Because I do agree, agree that it's caring, like caring that you did your best work, caring about the cl- client, caring about how, like, cause it also impacts your reputation. And I think so many people, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but just to tie it, there's a lot of emphasis on personal branding, which also ties into the aesthetics because, or the appearance of luxury. But when you do the work and you really care about the individual, then that comes across. And then you can be confident because you have the work to show for it. And then less convincing as needed. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. it's exactly what you said.
0: Um,
1: to care, it's not a bad thing to care nowadays. And this is another thing that's been talked about a lot. It's, I mean, everything comes with nuance, with context. Everything has to be taken with a grain of uh, of salt or two. But it's also the this idea of um, boundaries of this, I would say sort of arrogance of of luxury to say I'm I don't work with that particular client and it's and it's perfectly okay to be discerning. I am all for being highly discerning um, of collaborations, of certain like having maybe your name attached to certain things or to certain practices and just being highly, highly selective. I don't think that's a very bad thing. However, when we talk about all of these boundaries and all of these kind of things, I think sometimes it becomes slightly—it um, it has this taste of slight narcissism, I would say. And it's not a bad thing to care. I think to care is is a beautiful quality, especially nowadays in this very digital, very superficial world. Uh, to to actually care for another human, and yeah, just like one of one example, for example, um, that is, I don't think of my um, of my clients as leads or anything. I or my followers. I actually I have a very small following online, and actually at the moment I like it. I like it that way because I know almost every person personally. That's smart. and have the them. And that it, to me is a luxury at this moment to actually have this personal connection and not having the feeling that I'm talking to this anonymous crowd. Mm-hmm. And this personal connection is very important to me. So I have sort of expanded, expanded on that in my business. And just, this is another form of emotional luxury and creating a luxury business, knowing what makes you feel safe and happy in your business. And that for me is having these very personal connections. And that manifests in my business. So honing in on that is, for example, the creation of the salon, which is a free offer where uh, where we all meet um, on a regular basis, and we and it's it's completely free. It's no charge, no curriculum. We just sit there, and it's very non transactional. And I wanted to create that space on purpose to have something that is very non transactional, kind of like an antidote to the popular mastermind mm-hmm. business model. And really having the space for for women, especially female founders, to just exchange or network or finding somebody who can design their website or that they can exchange um, copy services with. Just creating a more supportive, less transactional space and also philosophize, philosophize about luxury and the questions of life and all of those things and genuinely sharing different perspectives and enriching one another so that is very the very important to know what you care about and what makes you happy as well what's what is something that you want to create more of and in my case that is the personal connection and um and these creating these relationships and communities
0: i love that you have that emphasis on the personal connection because that is becoming a luxury, which is unfortunate, that that's the case. But I think it goes back to your point about like not being transactional. And that really also has a benefit of the well being of founders, because so much of our work is transactional, in the sense that we're running a business. And so to have a space where you don't have to worry about that component, and you can just show up and share ideas and ask for help. And I think that also ties into what you were saying about caring and why people are less likely to care is because it requires vulnerability that you might not do it well or it might not be received well. And I think in the same sense of your salon, like you're providing a space for people to be vulnerable and create relationships and have that connection, which then supports their well-being. Would do you think that's the case?
1: Yes, certainly. And for example, <laughs> I get this question a lot: whether these calls are recorded. And it's no, category yeah. no. Yeah. There's, I do the same with my masterclass. I mean, this is just like a side rant. But I, for example, I rarely ever I actually don't. I never record um, live masterclasses. Just like again, for the privacy of my clients. You see, sometimes, I mean, it's it's a very um, easy business model to just package things up. And I'm not saying you have to make things so much harder for yourself. I think there are so many ways of creating a high quality um, experience without having to turn to, I would say, questionable um, practices or making somebody maybe feel uncomfortable this is just I mean you can never like i said look into somebody's uh, heart and there is no no such thing as moral perfection but i do think just trying your best and creating this for me personally in this case a safe space um that where people can actually be vulnerable and just share their stories so or just share celebrations actually it's just like a fun time we just meet basically for cocktails um or tea <laughs> we just chat about life and business and update each other which is a very nice fun, uh, fun way uh, of approaching this and what you said caring is something that can quickly be, especially in the luxury sphere I do think it's a very um uh tight it's, it's a it's a yeah it's, it's very much on the on the edge where you have to sort of discern where that caring too much may mm-hmm you feel um weak or you're like you're people pleasing and then you cannot be luxury anymore because you don't have this sense of of artificial exclusivity that people try to create and again we come we come back to this authenticity when you try to create exclusivity in this artificial manner people can see through that mm-hmm. i think it's like it's just something that will will stop working at some point i think people can very quickly um, see where where this exclusivity where you have this exclusive events that are actually not exclusive and there's hundreds of people in those groups for example um but yeah just caring is not a weakness in my mind as long as it serves your client and it serves you and your business and especially your reputation and with that said i think care and also with the perfectionism taking pride in your work this is such a beautiful yeah. feeling. I think this is very underestimated, and I saw that for myself, especially during the past year where I've made a lot of changes to my business, um, and really honing in and taking your time, and the the luxury of slowness, of being able to take it slow, and take the speed out, and really nurturing certain relationships, slowing down the sales process, and taking pride in the work that you do, and how you treat your customers, I think this already puts you in the luxury category.
0: That's a great point, the luxury of time. I agree wholeheartedly as everything has been sped up through technology and there's such a heavy emphasis on productivity and urgency, obviously with all the platforms that we have to instantly send messages and get responses and feedback back. In that rush and in that loss of time is the loss of connection. I think connections and relationships are the thing that's affected the most with the emphasis on speed, because it doesn't allow you again, tying back to caring when you're over emphasis on speed, then you don't have the time to think about other people because you're focused on getting somewhere, getting something done. And it doesn't allow that margin. And I think that lack of margin is what is having a negative impact on our relationships and just the people around us. Like think about if you're out in the community walking around like in the city and you're so focused on getting your coffee that you don't hold the door open for somebody or you don't pick up something that somebody dropped by accident and hand it back to them. Like, you know, just small little thoughtful gestures. And like you're that's all compromised with speed. So I love that you picked up again that time is a luxury.
1: Yes, because attention is a luxury. We are all competing for attention. Yes. Especially on social media, everything is so fast. Everything needs to have a hook, everything has to grab somebody's attention within, I don't know, what is it nowadays, points, whatever, milliseconds. And in this scenario in this world that we live in is exactly what you said time is a luxury caring holding the door open for somebody and you would be surprised how rare it is nowadays how much sometimes people it makes my eyes water for sure when people are kind and caring I just get so overwhelmed by kindness so it's beautiful it's beautiful so you're giving somebody your full attention and really listening and really looking at somebody seeing someone whether it's your client or just your personal relationships I think this is really one of the most underrepresented luxuries and I think we would be in a completely different world if we all took a bit more time to care for one another because in the end that's all that matters
0: I agree You, and you're caring for people within small business in your salon, you're in a leadership role. And so I'm curious, also, you've sort of set yourself apart as a leadership role with the way that you've set up your business and how you are challenging people to look at luxury. What is the trait that you value most in leadership? And how does that set you apart from others?
1: I think in general, showing up with... um with my personal values taking leadership taking the lead so really leading with my personal values and my moral standards and virtue I think virtue is something that's been so lost lately and I would put it a slightly different from values but I think it's very very close and with that it's courage I think nowadays I mean everybody is posting hot takes and everybody has opinions etc but I do think The most courageous thing you can do is really showing up with what are your personal values and i saw that especially within the luxury industry um or just in general in in online business where there is just so much exposure to how things should be how things should look like how you should be running your business and all of those things that many things get unquestioned and for me personally it has been um, really reevaluating what is important to me personally and also bringing my personal beliefs and my faith back into my business and really leading. This has been the next level of authenticity for me. And authenticity takes courage. So for me, courage is definitely something that is almost synonymous with leadership. It is sometimes it can um, as leaders, like we can be in a position where we stand alone. But I think it's the courage that um, to take on a perspective that might not seem very popular at the moment, but that feels true and authentic to you and leading with um leading with your values, leading with ways of doing business that may not be the most common or popular, but taking the high road and putting your best foot forward. And not everything that is good for business is good. And sometimes like many things go so unquestioned. And when you really think about this, and again, like this is to me also thinking about a luxury business, it is simplicity. It is really taking, it's more unlearning. It's more taking things away and simplifying and really focusing, honing in on your core capabilities, on your core values what is the most important thing? What do I want? Do few things with utmost excellence in a nutshell. (laughs) I love that.
0: And I love that you said courage is the virtue that speaks most to you because it is lacking when there's so much pressure to assimilate or to fit in and i think that's where we're seeing like the lack of taste and the lack of personal interest is because there's just that push and so it does take courage to stand apart from the crowd and say this is what i believe in and this is what is important to me and people gravitate towards that courage because then it also shows up as confidence like you said
1: yes and i think it all works in the end everything just ties it all makes sense yeah yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate your time so much, Evelyn. Thank you for being here today. I could have continued this conversation on, but I have enjoyed learning from you and thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for this conversation. It has been great. It's been an honor to be here and we will definitely continue that conversation.
0: Thank <laughs> so you. we will stay in touch. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lead with Excellence. For additional resources, visit theceoffice.co. That is T-H-E-C-E-O-F-F-I-C-E dot C-O. Enjoy the podcast, share it with a friend, and our leave a review sharing what you enjoyed most and why someone else should listen to it. Let's go lead with excellence.